when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. The Thunderbird 144-8 for John Montgomery. It is Montgomery with it. Canada. Montgomery takes gold and it's good. The Caps have a 20. Oh, Bright has gone smack. Tora Bright is an Olympic gold medalist. Chuck scores. It's Pula again. Canada wins gold in overtime. Nadezhka touch for the line. 121. It is Off the Podium, an Olympics podcast coming your way today for a very exciting interview. We are returning to ice hockey. It's been a while since we've been in ice hockey mode and today we are back and so excited to be able to speak to 2022 Olympic champion in the sport of ice hockey, Jamie Lee Rattray, member of Team Canada at those games. Very handy player at those games if you don't mind. Nine points, five goals, four assists, ninth overall on the tally of skaters at those games. And a great story here too from Jamie, overlooked for the 2018 Olympics, didn't make that team, but worked her butt off in order to get back on the squad to be selected for the Olympics in 2022. And she was the oldest debutante at the Olympics since the Nagano Olympics in the sport of hockey for Canada. So a great story here from Jamie of never giving up and always wanting to skate towards her goals of an Olympic appearance. We learn a lot about her journey in the sport, how she got started, her progression, her collegiate years where she did okay, as you'll find out here with some of the achievements she did. Playing in the CWHL, which sadly doesn't exist anymore, but uh, the experiences of that, and then using that disappointment of not making the 2018 Olympics and turning that into some positives, which then helped her towards 2022, towards getting an Olympic gold medal, which she uh, obviously holds very dear to her heart. So this is a fantastic chat. You're going to learn a lot in this one. Here is our chat with Canadian Olympic gold medalist from the great sport of ice hockey, Jamie Lee Rattray. Absolutely love the sport of ice hockey, or of course, as it is referred to in the part of the world where we're speaking to our guest from today, simply hockey. And we are thrilled to be able to welcome our next guest to the show, member of the 2022 gold medal winning team at the Olympics that defeated arch rivals USA for sweet, sweet revenge to win a gold medal there. Also a member of two world championship winning gold medal teams and has an esteemed career across the world in the great sport of ice hockey. I do welcome to Off the Podium, the one, the only, Jamie Lee Rattray. Jamie, first of all, welcome Off the Podium. I'm glad I got your name there right eventually. I just started, started a little bit, it seemed. <laughs> it's all good. I've heard it, uh, heard it be butchered way worse, so I'll take it. I'm happy to be here. I'm excited to chat with you and get, have some fun here. 
I, I always get pumped for ice hockey. I mean, uh, we've got to wear the Team Canada jersey, as I mentioned to you off air. It's sort right. of not the biggest excuse I ever get to wear it uh, here here in Australia. Uh, but, I mean, I can't imagine you get too many Australians contacting you for wanting to do uh, interviews about your sport. Probably of all the countries in the world that probably want to interview you, Australia's probably not really at the top of your list. Yeah, no, not at all. But I love that, uh, I mean, you guys are, are watching hockey or ice hockey, as you guys say, from all the way over there and... It's crazy. I mean, it's, you know, that's kind of the goal, I think, in, in all is trying to get as many people as we can from all over the world liking our sport. And and obviously it's very, uh, you know, unique to Canada and, you know, it's our national sport here. So um, to have other people talking about it or even enjoying it is, is pretty awesome. I'm sure with the time difference, sometimes it's, you know, probably morning games as opposed to night games, maybe if you guys ever watch the NHL or things like that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's awesome that it, I'll chat at hockey with anybody. doesn't matter who it is. Good. That's that's what we like to hear. Yeah, NHL games generally, yeah, sort of late morning, lunchtime, uh, sort of generally, uh, you sort of get a bit used to it when you're following it a little bit. But I mean, I always love it, the story from Canadians hearing how they pick up the sport, because I just assume that you're born, you've got skates on your feet, here's a stick, <laughs> off you go. Uh, I mean, was it that simple? Was that the case of you were born, here's a stick, Jamie, you're playing hockey now? <laughs> um, well, my dad played, so um, he was a big player growing up. He you know, played junior. He grew up in uh, in the Toronto area, so in Ontario and Canada. And he he grew up playing. And um, when I was a kid, I, I mean, my mom tells me this story. I'm not sure if I quite remember it, but I remember sort of you know being at a tournament of his and you know in, in Niagara Falls. And um, I'm apparently I turned to my mom and said, I want to play hockey just like my dad. And I might have been three years old. And the next year I was signed up for you know for mini mites or whatever it was called back then. And um, yeah, that's how I got into it. And I, you know, loved it ever since I never put my stick down. I, every chance I got, I was outside playing road hockey and on the pond or, you know, I grew up in Ottawa, Ontario, which is a pretty, it's pretty cold in the winter. So I was, you know, my, one of my best friends growing up had a rink in their backyard and every chance I got, I was on that rink and didn't matter if it was minus 40 or, you know, I was out there for hours. And now I think about that. I can't believe I used to do that, but, um, you know, I, I grew up with it and, you know, became a passion of mine and still is to this day. Not bad to have a rink in your friend's backyard. I mean, I can't imagine that's a, a common thing. That helps out a little bit with the sport. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, it's pretty common to have backyard rinks here in Canada. I mean, I think, um, you know, especially, you know, where it's colder. I think, you know, a lot of people will just build one right in the backyard, get as flat a surface as they can and flood it. And hopefully, you know, that's where I learned how to shoot, where I learned how to just have some fun and love the game. And, you know, I took a lot of, a lot of shots in my driveway as well. And I can't believe I didn't break any windows, but (laughs) for some, some reason I, you know, I I love doing that. And that's how I learned how to, how to play. I just kind of just wanted to be doing it as much as I could. I've got to ask then growing up in Ontario, uh, Toronto or Ottawa. I mean, I think your parents live not far from uh, where the senators play, right? So uh, I don't know if that helped your decision a little bit. Yeah, for sure. I, we're, we literally live five, my parents still live five minutes from where the Suns play. So, um, you know, we used to go to games all the time growing up and um, I've lived in Toronto now the last uh, eight or nine years. And, um, you know, I've kind of made a home here, but, um, you know, my parents are still there and that's where I grew up and learned how to love it. And um, it was nice being so close to the rank. And, you know, even when I got into, you know, university and stuff, I was old enough to, you know, ride my bike down there and I trained there in the summers and, I learned how to drive a car in that big parking lot and learned how to do a lot of things there. So <laughs> it was nice having that rink there. 
Works works out well. Growing up, did you play many other sports as well? Typical child, just trying hands at, at different sports, or was it always sort of hockey and uh, just other things weren't as important? Yeah, um, I was. You know, hockey obviously, you know, took over. But um, I played ball hockey in the summer, and then uh, you know, in high school, I played basketball, I played uh, flag football, um, and then you know, hockey as well. So I, I played a couple different things, and I think it's really important to play different sports. I think. You know, obviously it's important to take a break. I think, I think nowadays, you know, kids are on the ice 12 months of the year. And I think it's really important to, first of all, take a mental break, but also a physical one and do different things and teach your body how to be an athlete and move in different ways, which can also help you be a hockey player. So um, I loved playing basketball and, and, you know, in football, I love doing that stuff. It was something different and a new challenge that I really like to embrace. And um, I really encourage, you know, younger athletes now to do the same thing because I think it really rounded me out as an athlete as I grew up and helps me now to this day. And, you know, even in the summers, I take a good amount of break and, and play other sports, uh, you know, with my friends now. So I think it's really important. Was there aspirations when you were younger for the Olympics or to be a professional athlete? Or was this something that sort of uh, developed the further you progressed in your hockey career? No, for sure. It was the dream from the start. I think um, I watched the 2002 Olympics, Winter Olympics in uh, Salt Lake City. And that was kind of my first memory of watching um, the Olympic team and women playing hockey, to be honest. I'm not sure if I've ever really seen women play hockey before that on TV. And um, I still remember Jana Hefford's goal with like two seconds left in the second period to, to make them go up. I think it was 3-1. That was like the memory that's ingrained in my in my head. And Right from that moment, I want I wanted to play for Canada and go to the Olympics. And, you know, you know, at the time, that's that's that was the only team that I kind of knew of. And um, obviously we want something different now going forward. But um, it was always a dream of mine. And then when I finally got to wear that sweater when I was 16, it was pretty surreal. That's for sure. And the pathway, obviously, I mean, it's much different today for, for young girls in hockey than it would have been for you. We had Sammy Jo Small on a while ago and she talked at length about sort of when she grew up, sort of her pathway to get onto the team. But when you sort of started making that progression going forward, were there more women teams than, say, five years ago? Like how was that sort of development of female hockey in Canada at that period when you were making your way through the ranks? Yeah, so I played boys hockey till I was about 13. Um, and at that point, the boys were getting too big. Um, they were going into their draft years into, you know, the, like the junior ranks. And I felt it was time for me to move over to, to girls hockey and, um, you know, make that transition. And at that time, I think, you know, women's hockey was still growing. I mean, it still is to this day, but I think now a lot of girls will start out in girls hockey and play, you know, the coaching is better. The development is better. And um, I really do believe when I, you know, playing boys helped me. I think um, it, it taught me a lot of things, learned how to take body contact, how to give body contact, that kind of stuff. Um, but when I made the transition to girls, it was um, it was a lot of fun. I finally got to be in the dressing room with everybody and, you know, kind of feel more a part of the team. And, um, you know, once I made that transition, it was a lot of fun. And I found, you know, got the chance to go, you know, try out for the U18 team and the national team then. And that's kind of when it all the ball started to roll. And that first email I got, I remember getting from the national team, you know, asking me to be a part of a, you know, a small tryout camp. And I just remember it being so surreal and not knowing, you know, what to expect or going into with my eyes wide open. And um, it was definitely really cool to think back on that moment. I still remember when my mom told me, I don't even think, you know, at that time I had my own email. I think it probably went to my mom's email. So um, definitely really cool to have that moment. And I do believe now, you know, I do a lot of coaching in, in Toronto area and, the hockey is so good. The development and the coaching has come such a long way that 
you know, girls can start playing, you know, girls hockey right from the beginning if they want to. Right. And I think it's really, really great to see. And I love being a part of it for sure. So when I, when I lived in Canada, the thing that was amazing to me was just that progression that you saw from young players. And I was only involved in, in boys hockey. So I didn't really see it from the female side of things, but even working with a junior B team and just the structure and everything that comes from that, it, it was incredible. Cause even in Australia with our sports that obviously aren't hockey, but you know, our sort of major sports, you don't really have that level of structure where you kind of see that, you know, progression from such a young age to where the ultimate goal is NHL Olympics and everything along those lines. So is that sort of through the school that you're doing, you know, helping that out with young girls now to really kind of keep that balance? So we, we don't obviously probably want girls playing with the boys anymore. You know, you you want a program enough where it's just, it's all girls hockey and that's where they're going to learn it from. Yeah, of course. I think that's honestly, that's the biggest thing is you want to be able to develop the the female part of the game. And, you know, I'm pretty fortunate that I get to work with several, you know, different teams and athletes over the year. And I think the the best thing that I enjoy most about what I get to do with my, with my hockey school is just seeing how, how much better the girls get over the season. I get to work with them every single week, once a week. And um, you just see them, you know, you know, learn, wanting to learn and then getting better as the year goes on, which is really you know, really cool to see. And, um, it just shows that, you know, the, the coaching is there and the girls want to learn and play. And, um, you know, obviously we want to make sure that it just eventually becomes, you know, a streamlined to a professional league, right. Where women, you know, we have a bigger goal and it's not just the Olympic team. You have bigger things to look forward to and we can make a living and make a career out of it. And, um, you know, I've been very fortunate over my, my career that I have been able to do that. And I just want, I want to make sure that by the time I leave the game, that it's in a better place and that, the girls that I'm coaching maybe on Monday nights this this next year are going to be able to have a, a professional league to look forward to when they when they graduate. So um, I think we're getting there and I think it's pretty it's pretty fun to be a part of kind of both sides, being a coach, but also a player that's trying to grow the game as well. So it's really kind of cool to see both sides of it. And on that level of exposure, how important is something as little as getting women's players in a video game. We saw that obviously in the last year that NHL 22, I believe, had a downloadable roster for the the women's teams. And now in NHL 23, they're there from the beginning. I think Sarah's on the cover, if if I'm not mistaken, as well. So how important is that to have that level of exposure in something as simple as a video game? It's huge, right? You think about, um, you know, know, the the people that buy these games every single year, now they're going to buy it you know, cause they, they want the next game and now Sarah nurse is going to be on the cover and they're going to be like, Oh, who's, you know, maybe if they don't know who Sarah nurse is, maybe they're like, Oh, okay. Who is she? Maybe I can play her in the game and learn more about our game. And, um, I definitely didn't think I'd ever be in a video game growing up. I think that's probably, ask, you're in it? are you in it? You are in the video game. I am in it. Yeah. So, so basically the, the world's roster, whatever roster we have that year gets uploaded up to the game. So I've been fortunate enough to, to make some of those rosters and, and be a part of it. And what a cool thing. And, you know what, maybe a little boy who's playing that game, maybe he wants to be, you know, the women's women's Olympic team, who knows, and he plays and he learns more and maybe he wants to turn on TV one time when we have a game and, and watch us. So maybe even if it only hits one or two people, I think it's huge, but the, the reach that this has is, is so cool. And I was so happy to see uh, Sarah get on the, on the cover. What a cool thing. And um, what a, what, what a history making, you know, thing. And, you know, someone who I've, you know, been able to play alongside the last couple of years. It's been pretty cool to see, you know, the recognition she's gotten because she deserves every single part bit of it. And, uh, you know, I think it was a really cool thing when they came out with that. And, um, you know, if it, like I said, if it hits one or two people or maybe thousands of people, I think it's really, really important. And 
again, exposure is the biggest thing that we can use and visibility. That's the biggest thing. Right. So I think it's really important. Did, did you go and get a copy of it and, and have a go and uh, just see what it's like to play yourself in a video game? <laughs> I do. I do have it. I'm a, I'm a, I like to play video games. I'm a big call of duty uh, player, but um, I do, uh, I do play the NHL 22 once in a while with, with, you know, try and score some goals for myself because sometimes <laughs> I don't do it on the ice. So I got to do it. In the video game. <laughs> Good, let, let, get that out there. And then plus say like, you know, uh, those games against the USA are always so close. If you just want to have a blowout. Yeah. Yeah. 20, nothing. Put this yeah, right? on easy. Yeah. Right? This is how it should be. <laughs> yeah. Make myself feel better. So yeah, no, I think it's really cool. I mean, I never, definitely never thought in my career as a kid growing up that I'd be in a video game. So it's definitely very cool. That email, you get that call up to the uh, the national team. I, I mean, we always sort of ask about the feelings of the Olympics and getting that kit, and we'll get to that, obviously. But just at that point, when you make your very first Canada team, when you get that first jersey, be it, you know, some sweats, some other clothes, things like that, is that sort of the moment it hits you when you start to get those physical clothes? Or is it maybe when you arrive at the building and you're surrounded by other girls in the similar position for you that, wow, this is this is real, this is really happening? Yeah. Um, I remember going to the camp and I, you know, it's kind of a blur because it happens so quick. There's usually 40 or 45 girls there and we're all trying to make the team and kind of goes quick. And then I remember making my first team. It was a summer series against the U S. Um, and I remember walking into the room and, you know, uh, seeing my Jersey up there with my name on it. And I remember putting it on right away and we all took pictures and, uh, back then I'm pretty sure it was probably on a, a flip phone or something, but, um, <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool. Like, just that feeling of, you know, finally making it. And, you know, and honestly that feeling never gets old. It doesn't matter how many times you make the team or what age group it is, or, you know, it, it never gets old walking in the room. And even, even in a game, let's say in this last world championship, we always get excited of what, what color are we wearing? What are we wearing? You know, we all walk in and um, to see them all hung up like that is it never, it really never gets old. And um, you know, it's something that it makes, you know, makes it all worth the hard work and the sacrifices that we do make over, over the years to, to wear that Jersey and, uh, never take it for granted. And it's, it's, uh, I wear it with much pride. That's for sure. Do you have a select Jersey number that has stuck with you for your entire career or is that, uh, fluctuated on different teams that you've been on? Well, um, I've actually, I was a big Mary Lemieux fan growing up. So I wore 66 when I was in junior. And then when I moved to over to Clarkson university, when I went played at school, I wore 26, um, cause we weren't allowed to have high numbers there. And then, so when I, uh, actually first time I made the senior national team, I was given number seven, which, uh, actually was worn by my good friend, Sherry Piper, who I felt very honored to actually wear that number. And, you know, obviously as a rookie on the national team, you take whatever number you can get, you <laughs> yes. Doesn't matter what's on the back. And um, so I wore that numbers for number for a couple of years. And then when I got released, uh, one of the other girls wanted seven. So she took seven. And then when I made the team again, I was again, I was just given a number um, and I was given number 47. And that's kind of stuck with me over the last couple of years. And kind of a cool story about 47 is um, when I got released in 2018, uh, there was a fortune that I must have had Chinese food probably recently after. And I'd kept a fortune that said, your hard work will soon pay off. And um, I taped it to the inside of my notebook and uh, I started writing every one of my workouts down, down so I could go back and see that I actually did the work. And um, I gave myself a year that year to try and make the team again. And I happened to make the team and I got 47. And it wasn't till maybe two, maybe six months later where I opened my notebook again, the same notebook that I had been writing down. And on the front, it had, you know, how on the bottom it has the numbers of, 
mm-hmm. know, the lucky numbers. And the last number was number 47 Wow. on that fortune. And um, so that's kind of become my number the last uh, four or five years and something that I think I'll stick with because it's, you know, I love 26 uh, wearing 26 in college, but uh, it's definitely a cool, a cool story and something that, you know, it's kind of funny how things like that happen in life. And I still have that fortune taped to the same notebook and I will always, I brought it with me to the Olympics and um, kind of how funny how life comes full circle like that. So it was really neat to you know have that. So 47, I'm sticking with as long as I can have Fantastic. it. Fantastic. Great story. I was going to ask, do you still keep the notebook? Because I can imagine that that's yeah. a nice little uh, motivational keepsake there as well. Does it, does it get a little bit tattered after a while though? I can imagine <laughs> on the gym, but the more tattered, the better, right? It shows that you've been using it well. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty full now. So it just kind of sits in our drawer, but I have a, I have like a shoe box full of, you know, little stuff that I've, I've collected over the years of my career. And it's, it stays in there. And actually when I took it, when I won the gold medal at the Olympics, I had taken a cool picture of, you know, some of my, my strength coaches have given me little things over the years. I've taped those in the inside of my notebook and took a picture with the medal. And it's kind of cool how things come full circle and makes it worth it in the end. And um, definitely a cool story, something that I'll, you know, I'll keep with me as a, you know, as my career goes on. So definitely when, when we have the, uh, mm-hmm. Jamie Lee Rattray museum, I'm sure that will be like front and center, right? <laughs> like next to the gold no, that's medal. My, perhaps? That's my parents' house. My parents' right, house. Okay, of course. <laughs> I am an only child. So it's, it's tough that my parents' basement is a shrine. I'm kind of embarrassed <laughs> to say that, but it's, uh, Oh, come on. Yeah. You bring people. Oh, look at this. Oh, well, how awkward. I've got to get something from the basement. What's all this stuff down here? Oh, well, while it's we're crazy. here, would you like to hear the story of the notebook? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Only child syndrome. That's for sure. But no, it's, uh, it's good. You, you mentioned uh, college. Uh, now, did okay um, at Clarkson University. Um, Patty Kaisma Award, the, the NCAA's top female hockey player, uh, left Clarkson as the all-time leader in points. Not not bad, just a, a few of the, uh, the recognitions there as well. I mean, what's that experience like going to that part of, of the world, that part of the, the US to play and kind of do you – is it – how do you, was women's hockey when you went to America versus Canada? I mean, you think hockey, you think Canada, but America mm-hmm. does all right when it comes to their college system and everything there when it comes to their sports. Yeah. So how was that whole experience? And I bet you don't go into that thinking you're going to leave with all those honours when you eventually do leave Clarkson. No, that's for sure. Um, so actually, like for, for us, and at least the women's side of hockey, is our, our kind of route is usually the NCAA. The top players, for the most part, you know, choose to go to the NCAA mostly because the funding is there the scholarships and, you know, uh, schooling and that kind of thing. So um, I decided to go to Clarkson, which is about an hour and a half from Ottawa, where I grew up. And um, it's a little small school. It's 3,000 kids. And uh, it's in this little small town in the middle of nowhere. And I think the biggest thing there is the Walmart. And, um, (laughs) you know, so I think um, I decided to go there because of, you know, it was a young program at the time. It was maybe nine or 10 years old. It was just coming up and, um, they were starting to get good and I kind of wanted to be a part of something that, you know, we could build and we had a big class coming in. There was eight of us and we were pretty, pretty strong class um, of girls coming in. And I wanted to be a part of something where we could build and get better and, and create a culture there. And um, so it was, you know, it's, I mean, obviously it's different to, uh, you know, some of the, you know, the regular stu- like students, that, most of our team was Canadian. So that wasn't really too much of a culture shock, but getting to know the other students obviously is different in the States than it is in Canada, but you know what? It was, it felt like home. It was such a great place to go to school. It was a small, small town and hockey was the only division one sport. So we were kind of the big, you know, the big sport on campus. So that was kind of neat to be a part of us and men's hockey. And 
um, we really built this, you know, phenomenal team and culture and our, our class really, you know, we were a close class that, you know, I think we set the record for the most losses in our freshman year. And then by the time we got to our senior year, we had set a record for the most wins and, you know, had won a wow. national championship. So it just shows that, you know, our freshman year, we all could have bailed and, you know, went different places and, you know, what is this? Why are we here? You know, kind of pouted, but we decided to stick together and start building something that was, you know, really, truly special. And it's kind of neat when you talk, you know, talk back with those girls about the stories of that, the, that team, because it was super special to what, what we did. And um, I never thought that would happen. That's for sure. When a national championship in the States is, especially division one is, is pretty special. And um, I don't really know how big it is until you come home with that trophy and, um, and show it off. So definitely a very cool, a cool story there and something that I will always cherish and, always love telling old stories with the girls about Clarkson because it was some of the best time, uh, best four years of my life. That's for sure. And how many of those girls would go on to uh, be your teammates Olympics? Like you sort of uh, a few of them went on to win some, some medals at the Olympics as well. Yeah. Um, so Renata fast and Aaron Ambrose were, um, where I went to school with two years with them and they, they were part of this last Olympic team and, um, someone like Erica Howe, who was our, who was our goalie. Um, she, we had been teammates. We have still have been teammates 13 or 14 years in a row and from Ottawa to Clarkson and, and through pro. So we also represented Canada, uh, at some tournaments over the years and a handful of girls kept playing. And, you know, it's kind of sad because I think about some of the girls who had to, who had to make a decision at the time to either take a full-time job or continue playing. And, um, you know, I still think that, you know, if some of them were able to continue playing, they'd still be playing today. And, that's obviously the goal we want to do is when you graduate, you don't even have to choose. You can just go play. And, um, but yeah, there was a handful of us that, uh, you know, we still talk. It's funny. There's a lot of us roaming around Clarkson Golden Knights and even girls that I, I didn't get a chance to play with that came in after me that have been a big part of the national teams over the years. And, right. um, pretty, it's, it's pretty cool to see as, as an older player that had graduated almost eight or nine years ago now from Clarkson and seeing the program doing so well. And, you know, girls now, you know, when they're graduating or, or at the end of their career at Clarkson, they're now making national teams. I think it just shows the the work that was done with that program. And um, obviously not not just us, but also the coaching staff and, and just the program in general. I think it's really special. And, you know, I love going back there and, and, and seeing, you know, how good they're doing in, in right now. So it's really fun. Good to see. Good to see. One thing mm-hmm. before get back to the Olympic mm-hmm. side of things. The CWHL, I don't think we've really talked to any of our guests on the show about that um, because obviously you mentioned before about this goal, we, we want to get a professional league back in Canada, but what was that whole experience like? And, and I mean, was it disappointing when that all kind of didn't happen anymore? Because, I mean, it seemed like a, a great competition. It seemed like it was, you know, uh, exciting and fun, but, I mean, it's obviously disappointing that it would no longer exists. but, I mean, obviously a unique experience. It's It was awesome. Um, you know, I remember graduating and going into the CW and, you know, it's, it's a tough transition, right? You think, you know, being at college, you played a very high level, but once you get to pro it's, you know, all the girls are the best out of college, right? They're all playing at the next level and you kind of had to learn, you know, it, it was a professional league and it was incredible, the level of hockey, but we were also pushing for that structure of being professional outside of hockey, right? So having the facilities, having everything in place and, as a player coming out of college, you had to learn how to, you know, train on your own, how to do everything kind of more on your own and structure your own schedule that makes you perform at your best. And um, that was something that I needed to learn. And 
obviously with the CWHL, the level of hockey was phenomenal. And, you know, the work that was done over those years by some of the players that started, it was pretty amazing. And obviously when it folded, it, we kind of didn't really know what to do because a lot of us, you know, I'd, at that time I had played six years pro at that time in the CWHL. And when everything kind of folded, it was kind of like, oh no, what next, right? We didn't really know what was going to happen or where we were going to play or we kind of built this thing that, you know, was, it was a lot of fun and we had all these rivalries and teams and, and players that all of a sudden were, what, what was going to happen. So um, I remember we had, we had some great, great hockey in that, in that league. It's, you know, sometimes when I think back on it, it was a ton of fun and um, the rivalries that were made in those and the championships that were won. And um, it was a pretty special league. And obviously when it all came to an end, it was kind of shocking to be honest. How, how close are we, Jamie, from getting something back up and running then, a, another professional league back up in Canada? I believe we're close. I think, you know, we've done a lot of work with the PWHPA and um, we're continuing to grow this this game and and put, put the vis- visibility that it needs. And um, I truly believe that we're very close. And um, I honestly, I keep, I always say that there's too many great people in this game for it not to work. And you know, maybe if it, uh, you know, all I want is the girls that are graduating in four or five years to not have to choose if they need to play hockey or not. I think when they graduate, they can have, you know, they can go, oh, I want to play hockey. I, I can make a livable wage and have benefits and all those things and not have to worry about a thing. And um, I truly believe that will be be there when once that, that happens. And um, what a cool story it'll be when I retire. And, you know, I think, think about, you know, the 200 plus players that have been a part of this for almost four years now that have put in so much work to try and build this thing. And it'll be really cool when I, when I retire and say, Hey, I was a part of that movement. And um, you know, whether or not it benefits, you know, me for a couple of years or no years, it doesn't really matter to me as long as I was a part of it. And um, as long as we're growing the game, that's all that really matters. And then perhaps you could be a coach an owner. Like, yeah. I mean, you know, there's a potential for the extra bit of uh, post-retirement Jamie in just a little bit of a different capacity, right? Yeah, for sure. I would love that. I think that would be kind of cool to be a part of, uh, you know, maybe building it and getting it there and then maybe being on the other side for sure. You made your world championship debut in, in 2015. Now going sort of through from the junior ranks into the senior team, do you remember that sort of initial world champ experience? Obviously not leaving with the medal color you wanted at the end of it, uh, putting that aside, but just everything else kind of that came with that and kind of what that feeling was like to be at that level of hockey at that stage? Yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, to be honest, I, I think back about it. I, I had no, I, at that time you have no, no expectations. You have no idea kind of what to expect and, or how to, you know, handle a full world championship. And, um, it was, it's hard. That transition is very hard, Tran, you know, from the U22 or development age to the senior, it's a big jump. And, um, I remember there was a, a handful of us that were doing it together, which I think really helped, you know, I think about the girls that, you know, I kind of went through the junior ranks with, um, and then we made the jump to the senior team. So I think that was a big help, but it's a, it's a different level for sure. And, you know, I learned a lot from the girls that have been on the team previously, girls like Brianne Jenner and, you know, uh, Marie Philippe Poulin, who I got to play with in U18s and you kind of lean on them to kind of help you through. And, and also you kind of got to learn it, learn it on your own as well. Right. And, you know, now that I've been to a handful of them, you learn how to, what works for you in terms of a long, you know, a short-term tournament like that. But, um, I was just so excited to be there. I think that's one thing that I need, you know, wanted to take away is just be excited to be there, but also learn how to be there. I think take, take it, take it from your teammates. And obviously, like you said, the medal wasn't the color we wanted, but I was just so happy to be there and be a part of that team. And, 
you know, first worlds is a, is a very big deal on the senior team. And, um, you know, it was pretty surreal being there. That's for sure. Cause it's that camaraderie, isn't it? I, I read in an article that you wrote talking about sort of that importance of, of acceptance and everything on the team and everybody getting along and you're there, at your very first world champs and fast forward seven years later to your, you know, latest world championships where you're probably doing that with some of the young girls who are coming onto their first team. So it's like a paying it forward model to kind of keep that team camaraderie and spirit alive. I can imagine. Yeah, it's honestly, that's, you know, I think about my first time on the senior team, I was kind of just like a little kid scared that, you know, you don't want to step on anyone's toes. You don't want to, you know, make any of the older girls upset, things like that. But honestly, I think now that I'm an older player, I want to make sure the girls that come in have no, they can just be themselves. And that's the culture we've created with this team now is that you can come in and be exactly who you are and not be worried about anything else. Just perform at what, do whatever you need to do to perform at your best. And we are going to accept you and make sure that this environment is comfortable. And I think that's something that, um, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of is that culture and something that I truly believe has been a really big ingredient to our wins. The last three wins has been our, all our culture. And obviously we have some pretty great hockey players out there, but I think culture can go a long way. And if everyone's comfortable in their own skin and comfortable to be themselves in the dressing room, then, then you can perform at your best. That's how I perform at my best, whether I'm with the national team or in the gym at home, I think, it's really important if you're just comfortable and, and knowing what uh, your environment needs to be. And it's such a cool thing to be a part of. And it, it just makes it a lot more fun to go to the rink every single day. I love in the same article that I just mentioned, I love your story that you talk about when the disappointment came from 2017, 2018, not making the Olympic team and then turning that around into what eventually would come with a gold medal come 2022 what was it about those moments that really helped flick a switch? Because some people face a situation like that. They put so much hard work and effort into it. You don't make an Olympic team and that's it. You think, well, what's the point of this? I tried my butt off, but uh, this isn't going to happen. What was there a moment where you kind of just put that aside and thought, no, this this isn't over? I mean, you mentioned about your, your notebook, your fortune cookie, all that sort of stuff. But I can imagine there was a, a lot more of that that kind of took you from disappointment to ultimately Olympic glory. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I remember, I remember taking a couple of days. I was pretty upset. I think um, I didn't really know w- what to do next. I think, I think that was, you know, you, you put so much effort into something. You didn't really know what my next step was. And I remember um, probably a week or two later, just being like, you know what, what, what can I change in my game or what can I do differently to make this team right there? You know, I, I knew that year, the 2017 year, like you're talking about prior to the Olympics, I, I'd put so much pressure on myself to try and make that team that I wasn't having fun anymore. I think that was the biggest thing for me is learning how to love the game again and learning how to enjoy it. And um, that kind of sparked me to kind of just change, change where I was training, change kind of my routine a little bit. Not that I was not doing, you know, working hard and doing the things before I just needed a little bit of a change. And honestly that sparked, you know, a little bit of more, um, you know, interest and not interest, but uh, you know, motivation to just you know what I'm going to give myself one year um you know while the girls are training for the Olympics I'm going to train just as hard as they are and then when I when I when it's my turn again then you know I'll be ready and if if they don't take me I can move on knowing that I put everything I did into it and um you know if if they did take me then it was all worth it and um I truly that year um you know I remember putting a lot of my own funds and things like that into into training just 
to make sure I put everything I possibly could into it to make sure that, you know, when I walk away from it, I can, you know, be satisfied with what I did. And, um, I, God, I'm, I'm happy that I did because, you know, it really paid off. And, um, honestly, if I don't, I think if I make that or make the centralization team in 2018, I don't know if I make this next Olympics. And I truly believe it was probably the best thing for me as an athlete. And, as a human being, I learned, you know, how to deal with some adversity and how to do it. Sometimes you just got to bet on yourself and do it on your own, to be honest. And it wasn't easy. Um, and everyone handles that stuff differently, but that was just how I handled it. And, um, I'm really happy about it because now when any adversity comes my way, whether it's small or big, I know that it's in the end, it's not really a huge thing. Just, just take it day by day and control. Biggest thing that I probably learned was control what you can control. And, I couldn't control that I wasn't on that roster, but I can control how I responded to it. And that's what I decided to do. Because I love hearing that because I had a conversation, one of our former guests on this show, she didn't qualify for Beijing. And I had a mm -hmm. conversation with her sort of after that. And obviously she was incredibly disappointed and having a real raw conversation about what's next because she was very open with me and saying that, look, I've, I've put so much mental, physical, my financial, everything into this. And it's another four mm -hmm. years now that I've got to work out if this is realistically going to happen. She did. She decided to continue. She's on that training progress to try and get to Milan. But it was just that that insight because I can imagine it's that disappointment. You're not going to the Olympics. You've got to get over that. Then the Olympics come on. You've got to try and tune that out. Do you even sort of want to that? But they're still your teammates, everything. But it is yeah. that desire, that that dream that, you know, you don't want to give up on. And as you say, you can then use that for fuel and fire later on. Obviously, your story is great. It's got a happy ending. Ultimately, sometimes some don't have that happy ending. But you've got mm -hmm. to use sometimes these disappointments, right, to spur you on to try and uh, turn it around completely, which is great that you can use that. Yeah, honestly, I think, um, you know, I think the biggest thing for me was, you know, you can't really, you can't really blame anybody else, right? You just got to look at what you can control and what can I change in my game. And honestly, I had to change a lot, you know, I think on ice, but off ice too, I needed to do a lot of different things, maybe just change it up a bit and learn how to play a different way, learn how to, you know, play a role that's going to get me on that team. And, um, you know, that, that role can change every single year or every single tournament. It's not never going to be the same. It's, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's sports, that's life. And I think that's what makes our sport so exciting is that, you know, at any given time, especially in the national team, I mean, everyone's such, you know, separated by, you know, this much that, um, at any given time, anyone can step up and be the hero or, or play a different role. And, um, you know, that's something really cool about what I, you know, try to do is just try to you know, control what I can and whether it's in the game or in, in my training, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. And obviously, you know, just, it's, it's hard to hear the hard news. And, um, honestly it's, you know, in, in the end, it's, you know, it's how you respond to it and, and how you want to deal with it. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is, um, you know, it's not, you're allowed to be upset and allowed to be sad for a bit, but then after that, it's how you respond and how you, you know, kind of show show how you respond so i think that's really important i believe you train with some uh cfl players which i mean is there much transition in terms of learning from there i mean are they learning more from you i mean i, I don't know sort of how uh, <laughs> it works from football to hockey uh with that transition yeah i i, I trained with uh, actually that year that i the olympic year i trained with a handful of them and uh, it was kind of neat i think um we actually had a lot of similarities in terms of kind of where the cwhl was at that time and cfl right there a lot of those guys still had to work part-time jobs and, and things like that. And, 
they understood that, you know, they're still trying to build their sport too in Canada. And I think that was something that we really bonded on. And honestly, it was kind of neat doing different things. I, I remember, you know, running routes with them and catching footballs and, you know, hanging out with the, with the guys. And, and it was different. It was a nice different change from when, what I had done before and um, hearing, hearing, hearing their stories and their sport. And it was a lot of fun being a part of that group. And now I, I'm still in contact with a lot of them and, and watch them, you know, play on play in the CFL. So yeah, it was a lot of fun and something different that uh, I think sometimes can, can be something good. That's good to hear. You get the disappointment of 2018 fast forward, 2022 the opposite now uh, from the disappointment of not being selected to the complete opposite of being selected what's that moment like when you're told Jamie you're going to the Olympics you are you are part of this squad you're going to Beijing uh, it's pretty crazy I actually was in a hotel room uh, by myself I had COVID at the time actually um, <laughs> it's just kind wow. of funny like you you have this picture of you making the Olympic team and you hugging the coaches or hugging your family and <laughs> I was in a hotel room here in Toronto right before Christmas. And uh, I remember just, you know, being, it was very emotional. And I remember just taking a second after I hung up the phone and not really knowing what to do with myself. I kind of felt a little bit out of my body and um, it's pretty crazy news to hear. And um, after all the hard work after, especially even to in a centralization year, it's, it's a lot of ups and downs, but mentally and physically. And I think, um, it just was the best news ever. And I couldn't wait to, to call everybody and tell them because there, it's not just me that goes through this, right? It's my family and my friends that have been amazing support over the years. And um, I couldn't wait to tell them uh, the news, but definitely, definitely different than I pictured, but I'll take that news anyway. So I, I can imagine you order yourself some good room service and at least if you're in isolation or I deserve a good meal tonight to celebrate, <laughs> made the Olympics for God's sakes. <laughs> Maybe a couple of beers too, but. Yeah. <laughs> Which I mean, in a weird way, Kind of good that you had COVID at that point and not before yeah. you're about to get on a plane to uh, Beijing, right? If you want, I mean, not that you want COVID, but like if you're going to get it, you want it then and not before the get on that plane. Yeah, it was, yeah, the that year was, you know, scary because, you know, obviously with everything going on in the world and, and how the Olympics worked, right? We were in, in a bubble and a sealed kind of environment and you wanted to make sure that, you know, you got the chance to compete because that was the biggest thing, right? You didn't want to, also in a team sport, you didn't want to affect your teammates. So we were, we were very careful that whole year in terms of, you know, bubbling or, you know, making sure we were taking care of ourselves, things like that. And, and honestly, our, our doc on our team was our savior because she did, she did so much work in terms of keeping us safe and making sure we went to the Olympics um, safe. And honestly, like you said, I mean, obviously you don't want to you know catch it, but I think in terms of the timing, it was, it was fine. And I'm just happy that, you know, I was still able to go and compete. We always love the Olympic experiences outside of competing, which I'll get to in just a moment. But, I mean, for you, like life in Beijing, I mean, uh, seeing the rings, kind of getting the uniforms, things like that. I mean, do you get involved in pin trading? I mean, things like that to kind of really soak in the uh, outside of competition aspect of the Olympics? Yeah, it's uh, it's a crazy world. I, you know, I obviously this that was my first Olympics and, the, it's hard to explain the feeling in the Olympic village is kind of this buzz about it, that it's, unless you're in it, it's really hard to explain, right? Everyone's kind of in their gear and um, walking around in their colors and everyone's so excited to be there, right? doesn't matter what sport you play. You're, you're kind of in the same energy because everyone's there, you know, to compete. And, um, you know, I remember, I, I think our travel day, you know, it's a crazy travel day. It was probably well over 24 hours. I remember we got to Beijing. It was maybe 11 o'clock at night, their time. And, 
all I wanted to do was go to bed. But I remember walking into our, our, our room and we got the full Lululemon kit of all of our stuff. And then obviously we were up for a couple more hours, opening everything up, trying everything on. And um, <laughs> I remember like our roommates, we would, we would come out and show each other each, each day our outfits. And um, it was just so, so cool. Just the atmosphere of being in the, of the Olympic village is like I said, really hard to explain. And I think that was the coolest part for me. I kind of felt kind of out of my body sometimes and it didn't really feel like I was there, but um, you know, walking around, just seeing everybody and, and, you know, in their colors and actually a lot of the volunteers wanted to trade pins. So that was kind of the way I traded pins was with the volunteers and they wanted them. So I'm not a big tr uh, pin collector, but a lot of the athletes were doing that and it's kind of neat to, to talk to different athletes in different countries. And it was, it was so fun. I love hearing just the uniqueness of that and how some people really get into it and some people don't. And then there's always the pins that everybody wants. And then sometimes you've got pins that everybody wants and things like that. Did you get mm -hmm. sweeped up in the Bing Dwen Dwen craze? Obviously you ultimately got one on the podium, but I mean, was this something that you got to Beijing, got a Bing Dwen Dwen and then they sold out or were you like, shit, I should have got one at the beginning. Why did I not get one then? <laughs> um, <clears throat> they were actually, they were great. They were flying off the shelves. Like you were like, in the village, you couldn't get a hold of them. They were, and there was a certain day, right? Each week they'd get restocked. So the girls would go, but I didn't quite get into it as much. I, I got a cool mug that I really wanted that had like a gold handle on it. And, um, but like some of the girls were stuffing there, you know, we had already gotten a lot of stuff, obviously when you're at the Olympics, you just kind of collect all this stuff while you're there, which is really cool. But a lot of the girls were trying to figure out how to fit them in their suitcases on the way home because for nieces and nephews and for family and things like that. But um, obviously we got one on the podium and that one still sits on my shelf and, um, he's, it was crazy. I couldn't get over how, how popular he was. And, yeah. um, it was kind of a cool craze, right? You don't really realize, I'm not sure if the jet, like, like, like you talked about the craze, but I'm not sure how the general public knew how big it was. It was crazy how many people were trying to get their hands on them. And, um, they probably should have made double what they did because they probably would have sold them all. It was crazy. Yeah, we, we've learned a lot just how much that came because it definitely seeped out into the news how popular they are. But I think even mm -hmm. I recently looked up um, in the last week, I'm just like, oh, Bing Dwen Dwen, eBay. They're still going for like four or $500. And at the time of recording this, we're what, like seven months removed from the Olympics. So it's um, yeah. it's insane to think. I, I'm saying this right now. Should Vancouver get the Olympics in 2030? We need to, you know, top Bing Dwen Dwen. I mean, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the mascot from 2010. It was a great mascot from what I remember. But I, I really think we need to look at what they've done for Beijing with Bing Dwen Dwen. They've reinvigorated the Olympic mascot. <coughs> so let's try yeah. and get something, you know, cracking for 2030. Yeah, he was a great mascot, Bing Dwen Dwen. I don't know. Like, it's crazy. Um, I know You're right. I can't think of some of the other ones. But it's uh, <laughs> he was everywhere, like in – in our drive from the rink to the village or whatever, he was absolutely everywhere. It was crazy. It was, it was really cool. All the fails. We loved it during the games when you just had like stuff being Dwen Dwen getting stuck in the door at the media center. I think it was the figure skating gala. Uh, he got taken out on the ice. Um, there was one, I think there was a being Dwen Dwen try to do a flip and it lost a leg. Um, I mean, I don't know if that's how it got popular because it's just all these fails. But um, yeah. yeah, it's it's amazing. I remember the Sydney Olympics as a kid and getting involved in all the mascots there. I mean, the right age for them, right? But um, yeah, mascots are fun. That's what we want from the Olympics. I mean, people probably struggle to name half the ones that we've had in the last 20 years, right? So Bing Dwen yeah. Dwen's done, done a service for the mascots. I agree. I agree. He was a big hit, so. Good good work there, Bing Dwen Dwen. The, the <laughs> hunger and desire amongst that team going into Beijing, obviously disappointment from Pyeongchang. 
But of course, outside of that in the World Championships, uh, you know, one in 2021 in the lead up, but before then the US had sort of had the number in there. So how how hungry were you all? Because watching those early games, when you're winning everything like 10, 15, nothing, I remember commentating every single day going, I think Canada want this. I think they're uh, they're wanting to uh, get themselves back on the top step of the podium. Was was that a simple case of like we need to fix what happened four years ago? This is all about revenge, and we're going to do this. Um, I'm not sure. Like to be honest, I'm not sure if revenge was kind of what it was. But to be honest, we just we had built this machine of a team that, um, like I said, our culture was you know kind of unbreakable. The way we had built that team the whole year, it started with the World Championship. We had just you know, started playing the right way and for each other. And um, I give a lot of credit to our coaching staff and that's Troy Ryan. He's his, his vision for our, for our team has been phenomenal. And, you know, he's, he really trusts in what we're trying to do and as players, but it's a vice, it's a two way street. And he, you know, he, he learns from us. We learn from him. And I think that's something that we've really been able to build. And honestly, I've never been a part of a team that good ever. It was, you know, obviously you have the best players in Canada and some, most of them in the world, but the way we were playing um, together, but also on the same page, I think that's the biggest thing is that we were just coming in waves that I've never seen before. And, you know, when you start, you know, kind of connecting like that, it was from the goalies, the D to the forwards, everyone was connected in a way that I've never seen before. And we just started that tournament. And I don't think anyone was ever going to stop us. And I, we had that confidence going into I remember going into, you know, the final being like, there is no way in hell we're going to lose this. I just had so much confidence in the girls and, you know, being a part of on that bench, I remember just, you know, obviously I was probably the most nervous I've ever been, but there was this, you know, quiet confidence about the group that, um, that we were going to get it done. And because we were just playing at such a high level that, um, you know, something that I've never been a part of and something that who knows if I'll ever be a part again, it was, it was pretty cool to be be on that team and you look at the numbers right we set so many records that that tournament and uh team records and individual records right just because we were playing at such a high level and um you know it was really cool it was really cool to be a part of and I truly believe it's you know it starts with the culture and the dressing room and then it goes from there and um, the hockey follows suit when you just have so many good players so I think the one that really to me when I'm watching it go, okay, I think that they're onto something here. Uh, you're up against Finland, a side that, what, three years prior <laughs> knocked you off in the semis at the World Championships and you walk away with an 11-1 victory. Uh, it's kind of like, mm, okay, this this something's going on. And then even in the first game against the US, because generally every game against the US is generally going to go to overtime or it's going to be dis- mm-hmm. you know decided by one goal. When you're up by like more than one goal in a game against the USA, it's like, okay, well, Canada might be onto something here. So, uh, you know, I think from that outside perspective, it was just so unique to watch and to hear that, you know, what you were just mentioning about that going in there, uh, you know, it even adds to that a little bit more. Yeah. Like you said about Finland, obviously they've been, they've been a, they are a strong team and they've built quite a good team, you know, over the years. And obviously in 2019, we, they gave, they beat us and you know what they, you know, they outplayed us that game. I remember, um, we were in Finland that game in 2019. It was so loud in that rink. I remember not they scored and I could not hear my even hear myself think. It was probably the loudest building I've ever been a part of. And you know, and then like you said, going to the Olympics and we beat them 11-1. That you know, I don't know if we've ever scored 11 goals against Finland, at least in, not in my tenure. And um, again, to to play a team like that and just you know, again, come in waves and we're scoring in so many different ways. Everybody's scoring, not just you know, scoring is coming from everywhere. You know that you're, you're playing well. And, 
Um, you know, that, that was a big statement for us. And then also obviously, you know, playing the U S in the preliminaries, I think, you know, we play them every, every time in the preliminaries. And I think that sets the tone for obviously the rest of the tournament. And for us, they're our biggest rivals and we always want to beat them. Doesn't matter if it's exhibition or preliminary or whatever, I think, um, you know, that set a, set a tone for us too. And, 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 and it's good as a team, you know, with your confidence, as you go through, if you, if you can beat them in, in preliminaries, you know, usually, you know, you have some confidence going into the, into the playoff round. So, um, obviously two big wins for us and, you know, something that you look back on now, then you can say they're probably a big stepping stone as to why we won. I, I like to say the rivalry between USA and Canada and women's hockey is up there with the top in the world. Uh, maybe the best just in terms of the fact that it is always so close. We talk about mm-hmm. global sporting rivalries on, on any different sport, but name a sport where the rivalry is that close and that you always mm-hmm. know it's generally going to be decided by a goal or two, which I can imagine every time you suit up against them, it's just anger and hatred. It's hockey. You want to get involved. Is it a case of, it's that way on the ice and that you like these girls off the ice? Or do you feel the same way off the ice? Like, those damn Americans, screw you guys. I'm not having to be with you after the game, no matter what the score is. Um, You know what? It's funny because um, obviously when we, you know, when we play against each other, it's, it's pretty, pretty heated. And I've been part of some really cool, really fun games against them. And, um, you know, I've been part of those heated battles too, but, I think the fun thing is, is that, you know, outside of our country, when we play for our countries, you know, with the PWHPA, we're trying to build the same thing. And we, we come together, um, you know, to do that. And a lot of us have played with, you know, with each other, either at college or, you know, we played against each other in college and we get to know each other or in pro we played, played together. So, you know, there's this, I think there's also this mutual respect for one another that we know the work that goes into it. And, you know, we're, we've been down similar paths as a matter of if you're Canadian or American, I think, you know, we have this mutual respect and that's why I think the games are so heated and competitive because, you know, we've done, you know, we've had similar paths and we both want to win. And I think, you know, I think about, you know, in the Olympics, you know, I, I'm very close with someone like Megan Bozak, who has, you know, uh, been to a couple Olympics and, you know, it sucks. You, you, you want your friend to do well, but also, you know, you're trying to compete for the same thing, right. You know, for a gold medal and, it's just the mutual respect after the game that, you know, usually when it's over it, we drop it. And if we see each other in the meal room or in the hallway, it's usually a hello or, you know, how's it going things like that. And I think that's what makes it so special is that as soon as we get on the ice, it, it all shuts off. And as soon as it's the game's over, I think that's kind of a theme in a lot of sports is as soon as the, the battle on the field or on the ice is over, then it's time to have that mutual respect because you know what goes into it. So. Um, it's been it's been pretty fun to be a part of some of those games. Must have been pretty fun to be part of that gold medal game then, Jamie, to uh, <laughs> walk away with the, the gold medal. Um, can you describe that moment when the final siren goes and you realize you're Olympic champion? Um, it's hard to describe. I remember jumping over the boards and, you know, I've said this before, it literally feels like I was out of my body. Like I felt like I was watching it from above. It's kind of you know, I think a lot of people probably would say the same thing. It's unless you're, it's happening to you. It's hard to really put into words because I remember jumping over and not really knowing, not knowing with my body, what to do, where to go. You know, I, just, I threw my gloves off and so quick. I just remember wanting to be the first one on that pile. And um, to be honest, I'm not sure if it really sunk in until I came home probably a week or two later when I was showing, you know, you know, whether it was, you know, my family or, you know, girls that I coached the medal, I think that's when it finally sinks in that, you know, you did it. I think, you know, 
you get the time with the girls after to celebrate and, you know, you, you know, do that stuff, but it doesn't really sink in. So you come home and, and share it with the, the people that matter most. And I think even to this day, when I hand the medal to someone and they say, Oh, it's so heavy or, you know, things like that. That's when it kind of sinks in more that it did happen. And, um, you know, sometimes I see videos or pictures from the Olympics and I still can't believe that I was there. So, um, when you when you work so hard and, you know, for such a long time at something and it finally comes true, it's, it's hard to know how to react or what to do because you've been chasing it for so long, but um, definitely a special moment. And um, one that I was glad to share with a great group of girls. What What's an Olympic gold medal winning party like? Is it bigger than a world championship winning party from the year before? <laughs> oh yeah, it was. Uh, I think the best thing was, is that there was Canadian beer in the dressing room after I remember nice. coming in there's a uh, Molson Canadian for us and champagne, obviously. And, um, obviously we were in a bubble, so it was a little bit of different, uh, vibe than I'm sure it is when all your family's there and things like that. But I think the cool thing it was, is that we got to celebrate together as a group and we got to, you know, celebrate with other athletes as well. But that's the cool thing is sometimes when you, you know, for example, this last world championship, you go and disperse, you, you celebrate with the families as well. And, but you know, you don't get to celebrate with the girls that you grinded out with for that long. And we got to do that for three or four days after before we went home. And I think that was really special because, um, you know, you don't always get to do that. So, uh, the parties were definitely fun and, uh, I won't tell you how many beers I had, but they, they were a lot of fun. <laughs> I was going to say, please tell me at least with the hangover that Air Canada maybe bumped you up to business class or something on the way back home, right? I mean, you probably need, yeah, needed a I nice think... bed to sleep, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, you know, that's probably the best hangover I've ever had because I don't even think I was hungover because I was still <laughs> had the adrenaline going and, um, you know, obviously didn't sleep much, but, um, it was, yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about, you know. You know, but the Canadian beer tasted extra, extra good that day. The, the stat that obviously kept going around, I mean, you were the oldest debutante since uh, Nagano on that team, but I think you, you leave ninth best skater, seven uh, games played, you get nine points in total, five goals, four assists. Uh, I mean, you, you're pretty much left showing how good you are, Jamie, and that, uh, you know, this is obviously holding a good steed moving forward. Is it a case now of you've had this taste and you want to keep going, like that Milan you know, Vancouver 2030, you know, home Olympics potentially around the corner, these sort of goals, or is it sort of still one, one cycle at a time and you just review it sort of uh, every couple of years? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, like I talked about our culture and our team, it's pretty hard to not want to be a part of that. And I think, like you said, I think, you know, once you win, it's hard not to want to do it again. I think, um, you know, I still love this sport. I love training. I love getting up and doing what I, you know, I'm pretty, I'm probably one of the luckiest people in the world. I get to get up and, you know, do the thing, play the sport that I, that I love. And, um, I'm going to keep doing it until, you know, until I wake up and it feels like a job and it definitely doesn't feel like a job. And, um, you know, obviously one, one day at a time, one event at a time, one year at a time, but, um, you know, obviously I would love to play another four years and be a part of the next one because I think, um, you know, once you taste it, you want to taste it again. And, um, and we have such a special group that I would love to be a part of it as long as I can. Well, you, you did all right sort of post-Olympics, another world championship, you know, not too bad, <laughs> uh, still going on strong there. The, I mean, you've mentioned a couple of times about uh, the school that you've sort of set up and going along there. Give us a bit of an idea about the idea behind that. And if people listening uh, sort of want to get involved, what, what, what can they do? Where can they get involved? 
Yeah. So I just created Jamie Radford's hockey school. And, and basically what it is, is just, I like to, I run development for um, skills development for, for teams in the GTA. So the tr- greater Toronto area here in Ontario and um, teams can, hi- I mostly work with teams. So, um, so what happens? So even for example, this next winter coming up, I'll, you know, see four or five teams uh, during the week, once a week and run a practice for them and uh, run skills for different ages from U9 right up to U, U18. And um, honestly, I'm just trying to give back a little bit. And I love, I love coaching and I love, um, like I said earlier, you know, seeing the girls get better. And um, I do teams. I also do individual coaching, things like that. Um, but it was just something that, you know, kind of started as a part-time thing. And uh, it still is a part-time thing because hockey, you know, obviously training and my own career still comes first, but it's something that has really grown into, you know, I'm head of development for a, an organization here in Toronto. And it's just become something that I've loved to do during the winter. And when I have a night off and spending, spending four or five hours with the girls uh, once a week is something that I really do enjoy. So, um, you know, as long as uh, I can still do it, I'll always do it. And um, I like to give back and, and see the girls get better. So that's become kind of a, a thing over the last eight years uh, of my, you know, post-college career and something that I hope, hope to continue over the years. Oh, obviously I realize it's a, it's a school for girls, but I just, uh, if you ever want to help out a, an aging Australian uh, who maybe uh, doesn't know how to skate and uh, has wanted to play hockey, but uh, is getting on a bit. Uh, don't know if you make any discrepancies for that sort of uh, level there, Jane, but I mean, I might know a guy just maybe. Yeah. Come, come over. We'll, we'll, we'll do it. Actually, I actually do boys teams too. So if boys, girls, doesn't matter. Anybody, anybody who wants to play, let's do it. Perfect. Come All on right. Over. Good. Good, good to know. Uh, Jane, before we wrap up with a set of uh, get to know yourself questions, I have to ask the medal. You mentioned being Dwen Dwen's on display. I mean, is the medal on display or is this something because you're still taking it with you lots of places that you keep in a safe space ready to go when people want to see it? Yeah, well, it's on, yeah, it's on display with Bing Dwen Dwen right now. And um, it, it's in a nice box, but when I take it, I put in a little mitt. And so most of the girls keep it in a mitt or a sock just because it's easy <laughs> to carry around. And if you, if you drop it or, you know, gets thrown around in a bag, it doesn't get it uh, dinged. But yeah, right now it's on display and I think it should be for a little bit. I think that's something to be proud of. And um, it's a nice reminder if, when I see it every day to, you know, keep working hard and maybe I can get another one. And then it goes into your parents' museum for you, the Shrine of the Basement, <laughs> right, true. basically, with all the other Olympic yeah. gold you win, the World Channel, all those sort of things as well. So uh, that's yeah, how it all plays sure. out. Jamie, we wrap up. These are a set of uh, get-to-know-yourself questions. As always, these uh, a questionnaire that was given to Team Canada athletes ahead of Rio and Pyeongchang. And I'm using the questionnaire that was given to the one, the only, Natalie Spooner. So if you oh, want to okay. compare any of your answers to Natalie's, I can tell you what she answered for these. All right. And also, uh, there is the optional element of drawing. It's completely optional. But uh, if, you, if you're bored today and you want to add some homework to it after this interview, you can draw a picture of one of your teammates. Uh, you can draw a picture of yourself and you can draw a picture of your favourite animal. And I'm saying right now, Natalie, decent drawer. She's drawn a picture of a giraffe. Pretty decent. So I feel like she's good at everything. Yeah, well, there you go. She, she loves drawing giraffes. So uh, completely optional there if you feel the need. But we'll start off with your favourite Olympic moment is oh of my own or in answer, general it, well, I was going to say you can answer your own or in general you can answer both if you like or uh just one or the other oh that's a good one um I don't know I think um actually I, I'm gonna I mean obviously winning myself but um, our team was 
up there, but I remember watching uh, at the Olympics in 2022, Isabel Weidman, who's a a speed Mm -hmm. skater for Canada. She's a long tracker. She's phenomenal. Um, I think they did a team pursuit, a team kind of style. I remember watching it with my roommates and just the, it was just so exciting. And I remember yelling at the TV and um, it was pretty crazy. I think that was kind of a cool moment. And then obviously hanging out with them after celebrating, I think that was really cool, but just like seeing, seeing what goes into these other sports too, I think um, is something that was really cool. So I, I'm, I'm going to pick that one because um, from the outside, it was just something I had so much pride watching it. So. Great answer. And, and as we always say, particularly with our winter guests on the show, it's the Olympics is a unique beast because you don't generally get to do multi-sport events outside of an Olympics. You know, a lot of our summer yeah. guests have Commonwealth Games and Pan Am Games and things like that, whereas unless, mm-hmm. say, you go to a, a Canada Games or something growing up, you don't really get that opportunity. So you get to bump shoulders with these athletes you don't really get to do often. Yeah, exactly. So it's an added element there. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Oh, transportation for sure. Mm-hmm. Good answer. Yes, yeah. Natalie. Natalie would like to fly. By the way, just, yeah, that's a good one. I guess you could fly everywhere, but transportation. If I just wanted to be yeah. in Australia, I could go. Exactly. You could be like, boom! Yeah. I need some Tim Tans and Vegemite right now. Go to the supermarket and then be back <laughs> for, for dinner, basically with that. Uh, your favorite sports movie is. Um. Remember the Titans. Hey. Same answer as Natalie. There you go. It's a yeah. hockey thing. Yeah, it's a good movie. Go. Great movie, actually. Yeah, really it's good. It's a great movie. Your funniest childhood memory is. Oh gosh. Funniest. Um I mean, I don't know if this is funny, but um I remember I cracked my head open one on uh Woolly Mammoth at the Museum of Nature one time. Wow! I was playing hide and go seat tag. It's not really funny, but now it's kind of funny now. Um, well, you, I remember you're like, on a, a woolly mammoth. That's not something that everybody does. I well, think that's pretty you know, funny. One of, those, <laughs> one of those things outside, and I was hiding underneath, and I got up too quick, and I put my hand on my head, and all of a sudden I was bleeding everywhere, and I had to wow. get stitches. Up. Thankfully, my mom was there as one of the volunteers. She took me to the hospital, but on a field trip, I was just trying to have some fun with my friends, and I. <laughs> So I, I cracked my head open on a woolly mammoth. So it's kind Ouch. of funny to think. <laughs> Th- that needs to make the museum somehow. I don't know yeah. if she took any photos of that, but uh, you know, get a get a picture oh, of yeah. the woolly mammoth, the woolly mammoth that Jamie Lee Rattray split her head open. This is the one. <laughs> um, I love that. That's great. Your favorite pump up song is oh, uh, Cinderella Man by Eminem. Oh, nice. Good one. Yeah. Is that something that you put on like before every game or is it something you put in the, the room so everybody can hear it or are you just sort of headphones on yourself and get No, that's that's my song that I listen to when I'm walking into the rink usually. That's my last right. song that I listen to. Uh, I am the DJ in the room, so I ah. usually play a little bit of everything. It's tough. It's tough to always put on hardcore stuff you gotta kind of find a mix of everything for everybody well, I, was, so. I was gonna say because when i was doing work with the junior b team in victoria we would often ask the players about who's on who's in control of the ox who's doing that and there was always like sort of a change around but if there's one person constantly in control of it do you get requests of the girls saying like hey let's this that or that song's crap jamie that doesn't pump us up like is it is it controversial I do get requests, um, but I actually make a playlist before each game. I like sit with my coffee and and make a playlist before each game. So I try to change it up for the girls. But we try to I try to make a theme. Like for example, for this last tournament, you kind of have uh, seven different themes, you know, for each game. But like a dance or 
you know, kind of a throwback, you know, things like that. So you get a little bit of everything and it's tough when you have some of the younger girls that don't know some of your music, it's tough, but um, yeah, you just try to change it up. Just don't play the same song over and over. And then I think you're doing okay. Was it, was it one at the Olympics that kind of stood out that there was an Olympic anthem that helped you along the way? Olympics. Um, I'm not sure, but this last worlds, um, there is this Bella, it's called Bella Chow. There's this remix from oh, what's the Netflix show. Um, a money heist. There's like mm-hmm. this this song I think that it was remixed by somebody and we got a hold of it this World Championship and it became our uh, before we went out for the first period I always play it and turn it up and we would you know to go crazy in the room so that was kind of our Fantastic. anthem at this last world yeah good all right I like hearing that speaking of uh, of Netflix uh, the most recent TV show that you binge watched is ooh um I'm currently re-watching Yellowstone because I think the new season is coming out um but I I I'm kind of a reality show watcher so I just watched Selling the OC which was similar to Selling Sunsets so it's kind of a silly reality show but I love it that's all right you, you got to have those yeah. those vices well can we ever see the Jamie Lee Rattray reality show is this something that if somebody's listening right now thinking like hey this would be good let's let's get this off the off the car I don't know if I'm that interesting but but maybe <laughs> You never know. Well, this should be a Team Canada reality show. Follow, follow you around the world. That'd be interesting. I'm sure people would watch that. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'd like it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, people. I'm sure we've got very influential, um, you know, TV producers listening and watching today. So clearly, uh, it's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Uh, your least favorite foods are? Oh, olives, and mm. uh, I don't like bologna or mustard, okay. which is okay. my three things. I'm not a picky eater, but I will. I mean, I don't know if bologna is really a food, but those three things I do not like. All right. We'll, we'll avoid those, uh, you know, next time you're out to lunch. Uh, your favorite chip flavor is? Oh, um, salt and vinegar, but ruffles. Ah. The ruffles salt and vinegar. I love Miss Vicky's salt and vinegar, from, but the ruffles, they're, the flavor gets caught in between the grooves. It's so good. Oh, I like that. I like that sort of analysis of how that works. But that's a, that's a good point. They, yeah, no, they, yeah. they seem to be more flavorsome. If you weren't an athlete, what would you be? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'd probably be on TV or the radio talking about sports, probably. Good answer. Because I love, I love all sports, so I'll, I would probably be doing that. I, I, I see a career in that happening. It's sort of, uh, you know, post-retirement. I think that's a, a yeah. nice little switch. So, you know, podcasts, thought of starting your there own you podcast as well. You could do that. People would tune in. Perfect. I know? hope so. Yeah. I, well, I'd hope so too. I, let me know what it's like when people tune in. It must be a good feeling. Um, <laughs> your favorite vacation spot is? Uh, I recently went to, I went to Hawaii after Hawaii after the Olympics and it was probably the most beautiful place I've ever been. Uh, Maui. Right. Uh, was pretty phenomenal. So I highly recommend it to anyone who hasn't been. Um, but that was for sure my favorite place that I've ever been. Always chasing sun. Is that a thing that, uh, you know, obviously a lot of our winter guests love to find the uh, sun I, when they can. <laughs> I honestly, uh, for someone who plays a winter sport, I could live my life all year in summer. I hate, I hate the snow. I hate the winter. Um, I should be living in California playing on the Anaheim Ducks or something because I love the sun. I, I, I could live without my life without winter. You, you, Australia, we've got a league. So just saying, if you ever you you know, want to come to this part of the world, that we've got one. Um, people usually describe you as? Um, probably outgoing, um, 
probably outgoing, caring, and pretty easygoing. Pretty, pretty, pretty easy to get along with, I think. I hope. I like that. Uh, what would you describe Natalie as? I'll see if we'll match up with her answers. Probably the very similar, very outgoing, fun, and loves to sing. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, she didn't put that one. I'm sad now, but she put outgoing and energetic. So uh, yeah. that's yeah, what she put there. She's awesome. Oh, she's I, a great, I, I, great, great person to have in the room. This this singing aspect, though, I'm sad that uh, that's not on there as well. Uh, Jamie, before I let you go, uh, people want to follow you on social media, uh, your school website address, anything where people can stay up to date with you and what you've got going on at the moment? Yeah, my uh, Instagram and Twitter handles are rat26, so R-A-T-T-26. And um, my hockey school name is JLR Hockey School, so you can just go jlrhockeyschool.com and that's where everything is. And, um, yeah, drop in, say hi. If you just want to send me an email or, or chat, I'm, I'm good with that too. So either way. Perfect. Indeed. Jamie, it has been such an uh, honor and a pleasure to learn about you, your career, everything else in between. Hand. We're going to keep an eye on things moving forward towards Milan and beyond. And, uh, yeah, next time I'm, I'm in Toronto, I'll, I'll hit you up for some lessons and we'll see how uh, quickly it takes you to uh, probably kick your first ever student out of a class. Uh, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be honored to be that first one for you. Let's do it. Hit me up and we'll, we'll go We'll go do it. And then we'll have a beer after. And an absolutely incredible chat there with Jamie. Really appreciate her time and chatting to us on Off the Podium today. If you enjoyed that chat and want to see the video version, of course, hit us up on YouTube and you can see the video version there as well. But learning so much from her, using that adversity of not making the team, the fortune cookie in a notebook. I love hearing that story and using that for motivation. The the hunger and, and the camaraderie and, and the chemistry that the team had in Beijing and just everything else that came through that and the music. We've always got to get some good songs here on the show to be able to use moving forward. So uh, always appreciate hearing those and definitely appreciate Jamie's time here on the show. So thank you so much for your time on the show today, Jamie. We have some great episodes coming your way. In the coming weeks and the coming episodes, I'll give you a bit of a teaser. We've got Olympic gold medal winning swimmers coming your way. We have got Olympic gold medal winning volleyball players coming your way. We have Olympic medal winning skeleton races coming your way. And Olympic gold medal canoe people, canoe people, canoeists coming your way. We can call them canoe people. It sounds like something else there, a different type of show. But uh, great guests coming your way along the way. We're also going to be ticking off for the first time athlete from the sport of soccer slash football, soccer slash football, whatever you want to call it. That is coming your way. Handball. We are going handball on this show, which I'm so excited to be able to bring you as well. Skateboarding, skateboarding coming your way very, very soon. Triathlon coming your way very, very soon. And if you enjoyed our chat today with Jamie, we're going to be speaking with one of her teammates from Beijing as well in the coming episodes. So continuing on that ice hockey trend, some great stuff coming your way. Colin, Jared and myself getting back together as well for some more great episodes. And a little later this year, as we've teased a few times and we'll continue to tease because it's exciting, we'll be doing our Looking Ahead to Paris 2024 episode year out from the game. So that will be coming your way, of course, in around July, end of July. And we'll just discuss where things are at for the Paris Olympics and how pumped and excited we are for those because obviously not an Olympic year this year, but next year will be. So very excited for that to happen. If you like the show, why not like us on social media? 
YouTube, as I've already mentioned, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook is where you can follow us on all of those. Send us a message, give us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show. And subscribe to us on all good podcast platforms. Wherever you listen to podcasts, you'll be able to find us. Never miss an episode directly to your device. And leave us some feedback. We'd love to hear what you think of the show on those platforms as well. As always, thank you for listening and tuning into the show. Thanks again to Jamie. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull. Remember to go left and bizzle dizzle. When the stars make it through just like pasta puzzle, that's amore. That's amore. When you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in When you walk in a dream, but you know you're not dreaming, Signore. Excuse me, but you see back in old Napoli, that's amore. Amore, that's amore.